changes. And we welcome you here this morning. I've entitled this sermon, this message, Your Way or His Way. And I think you see the opposing views right there. During my rookie year as a Richmond police officer, I was logged to call around midnight on a B&E, that's a breaking and entering, that had just occurred. When I arrived at the house, I found an elderly lady in her 80s who lived there alone. The suspect was gone. She was not hurt, but she was quite fine. The window in my room being raised, and then I saw a leg come through that window. And then I yelled, John, get the shotgun. At this point, I stopped her and I said, who's John? Because she lived there by herself. She said, oh, that's my husband. He's been dead for 10 years. (laughs) After I stopped laughing, I asked her what the burglar did. She said she heard him fall out the window onto the roof, roll off the roof, hit the ground, and then he took off running. Ask her why she said what she had said, and she replied, it just seemed to be the right thing to do. Circumstances. Instant decisions. A few times they're life-altering. Most of the time, though, they're just the, just the stuff of life. But in everyone's life, there's a crossroad, a juncture, a moment in time where our decisions have eternity written all great influence in my life. I heard him say numerous times what it would take for a person to really make some changes and come to those crossroads in life was a crisis or tragedy. A life-altering event, and and many of you know what I'm talking about in varying degrees. Life doesn't always treat us kindly. All of us have messed up somewhere along the line. If you haven't, it's because you're just not old enough yet. And here's the main idea that I want you to consider today. Your way or his way. Let me illustrate it this way. Many years ago in California, a young man, certainly not dressed like the normal church attendees, entered a church building and sat in the midst of a a fairly large gathering. And the preacher read this scripture from 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 6, verses 9 through 11. If you'll you'll do the old-fashioned way and look that up, either if you have it on your phone or if you brought your Bible with you, 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse number 9. This is the scripture that that preacher read in the hearing of that young man who had entered the building that day for the very first time. He said, or do you not know that wrongdoers will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who have sex with men, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor slanderers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And that is what some of you were. 
but you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. And then the preacher there did a strange thing. He asked those present if they had just been described in the list that he had just read from Corinthians, he asked them to stand up. And all around this young man, men and women began to stand. And as he looked around, he thought to himself, I'm going to be right at home here. And this list could describe many of us here today. But the ending is much better than the beginning, isn't it? And now we're going to get to the rest of the story. We're going to look at a story near the end of Jesus' life. This is in Matthew chapter 22. I'm sorry, Matthew chapter 21. Verses 28 through 32. This was the day after Jesus' triumphal entry into the city of Jerusalem on the back of a donkey where those there had lavished great praise on him. He'd spent the night with friends in Bethany just outside Jerusalem, and then the next day Jesus and his disciples entered the temple where he began teaching. This attracted the attention of his protagonists, the chief priests and the elders. That's the elders of the Jews. They questioned his authority to teach like he did. Part of his answer to them was the story that we find here in Matthew 21, starting with verse number 28. And he says, what do you think? There was a man who had two sons. He went to the first and he said, son, go and work today in my vineyard. I will not, he answered. But later he changed his mind and went. And then the father went to the other son and said the same thing. He answered, I will, sir, but he did not go. Which of the two did what the father wanted? The first, they answered. And Jesus said to them, truly I tell you, the tax collectors, today we would probably say, or if Jesus was saying this today, he probably wouldn't say tax collectors, he'd probably say politicians. And the prostitutes are entering the kingdom of God ahead of you. For John, he's referring to John the Baptist, came to you to show you the way of righteousness, and you did not believe him. But the tax collectors and the prostitutes did, and even after you saw this, you did not repent and believe him. Well, That's not what we came to talk about today, the tax collectors or the politicians and the prostitutes, but we want to zero in on this story about the two brothers. I worked for a lieutenant back in the 90s who on his wall had tacked this phrase, one boy equals one day's work, two boys equals 
half a day's work, and three or more boys equals no work. And uh, having had boys and having grown up with a brother, I can agree with that. William Barclay, in his commentary on Luke, says a better title for this parable, it's listed probably in your Bible, just the parable of the two boys, or the two sons, he said a better title would be the better of two bad boys, because they really were, weren't they? One said, no, I'm not going to go to the vineyard, but then had a change of heart, and later on went. And the second one said, yes, sir, I'll do it, but did not follow through with it. So one was bad, but he was a little better than his other brother. And Jesus asked his antagonist this question, which of the two did what his father wanted? Well, you know the answer was the first one, who initially said no, but changed his mind and went. So how we determine our obedience to God, so how do we determine our obedience to God, or what is it that the Father wants of us? Let's talk about that today. And let's pray first as God leads us into these things. Heavenly Father, thank you for the time and opportunity here today to consider important things in our life, the life of everyone that's here, and what your Scripture has to say as we're part of your kingdom, Father. We'd ask that the Holy Spirit would be here, that the things that I say would be correct and honest and true, and that hearts, all of our hearts would be receptive to doing your will, your way, according to your word. Thank you, Father, for what you do for us, and bring us joy and peace today. In Jesus' name, I ask this prayer, amen. Well, a great place to start, actually, is with prayer. Before my wife, Danette, and I leave the driveway for a trip out of town, or even a motorcycle trip, both of us uh, ride motorcycles, we pray for three things about that trip. We pray for blessings on the trip, protection for us, and the third thing is for protection for all those that are around us. About six months ago, after praying before we left on a trip in our pickup, this was to take a load of heavy wrought iron furniture. You know what that is. That's the outside furniture. It's called wrought iron, and it's quite heavy. This was a large table and six heavy chairs. I don't know what the chairs weighed, 25, 30 pounds apiece. And I put them in the bed of the pickup. I, I took the table apart, and it was too long to fit in the bed. I had to have the tailgate uh, down, and I fit everything in. And I had straps, and I tied things down because I'm, I'm just kind of... Uh, I've worked too many accidents where things came off vehicles. Well, we took off, we got out onto 95, we're headed to Maryland. I hate to confess it, but I was doing about 70 miles an hour on 95 in the left-hand lane, approaching Chippenham Parkway, and I'd noticed in my rearview mirror that a couple motorcycles, I always get my attention because I'm a motorcycle rider, 
had pulled in behind us. They were back about five or six uh, car lengths away, and all of a sudden, I saw one of the chairs begin to tip. The strap, the load had shifted, and the strap came loose, and I didn't have it tied to the chair. And I said to Danette, oh my goodness, I think the chair's going to fall off, and then it started to go, and if it tipped over, it was going to fall off the tailgate. I hit the brakes, I pulled to the shoulder, and sure enough, the chair had come off. And about that time, I saw these two motorcycles ride past me, and I thought, thank you, God. You answered my prayer this morning. Some would say, just a coincidence, well, I don't believe it. You can't find the word coincidence in the Bible. And I also know very well that not all prayers are answered with a yes from God. So listen to Job. <clears throat> this is Job chapter 13 and verse number 15. While you're looking that up, let me tell you about the book of Job just a little bit. I, is there a writer here in our gathering today? I, somebody needs to write a play about this book. I've studied it several times over the years and gone through it, and I've never seen a play or a real story written about the book of Job. So please, somebody do that, or I'm going to have to do it, and I'm just not a writer. You know, Job lost everything that he had, except for a wife who told him to curse God and die. He lost all of his wealth, he lost all of his children, and he had ten of them. <clears throat> and then he lost his health. What else did he have? He had nothing. He had three friends to come and, and comfort him, but they ended up accusing him and saying, you better, you better admit your sin because of what's happened to you. That's God jumping all over you because you did wrong. And Job replied this to them in Chapter 13, verse 15, though he slay me, yet will I hope in him. So I think a starting place for us determining or being obedient to God is prayer. In a second place, we become obedient to God by listening to his voice. God speaks to us through Scripture. I don't care how often you read the Bible, some new emphasis always comes through, no matter how familiar you might be. Some might say, well, I just don't have time. You know, I don't believe that. We, don't we make time for the things that are important for us? We certainly do. Let me throw out a challenge to you. You know, you can read through the book of Psalms. There's 150 chapters in the book of Psalms, but you can read it in a month by taking five Psalms a day. Now, I know Psalm 119 is very long. You can make up for that with some of the shorter ones. The book of Proverbs, you can read through it in a month. There's 31 chapters in Proverbs, and those are just two examples. So, I challenge you today to take time to let God's voice speak to you through His Scripture. 
Natalie Cole, the singer, you may be familiar with who she was. She, was the, she recently died, by the way. She was the daughter of a much-loved singer, Nat King Cole, who had preceded her in death by many years, and, and she resurrected one of his songs and, and did a duet uh, with him on her album back in the 90s. Well, years of drug abuse led to heart trouble and a heart condition that ultimately was the cause of her death at age 65 on December 31st. 2015, just last December. Well, she wrote an autobiography in in the year 2000 entitled Angel on My Shoulder. And here's what she wrote in the last two pages of that book. She said, I want to tell you one final story. Recently, I was staying in the Peninsula Hotel in New York. Across the street was a church, and a young homeless man sat there day after day on the ground near the cornerstone of the building. And every day, he never spoke or asked for money or anything. One day, I couldn't take it any longer. Lost my place. One day, I couldn't take it anymore, and I went over to him, knelt down beside him, and asked him, may I pray for you? He just looked at me, and I started to pray. I don't remember what I said, and as a matter of fact, I don't remember if I gave him any money. But after I was finished, he whispered to me, no one has ever done that for me before. I looked for that young man the next day and the next, and the next. I never saw him again. Some will say, deeply embedded in their cynicism, that he found another corner to hang out on. I believe that this time I was his angel and that God went on to do the rest. Now, don't let the theology of angels cause you to miss the point. We know people, humans, are not angels, okay? When we die, we don't go to heaven and become angels. God's created angels. They are here and present. That's a different story. But don't miss the point of her story. She was God's voice to this homeless man. Just maybe she was listening to the Holy Spirit to bring God's voice closer to him. And multiply that that countless times through God's church. And you have obedience to God and His Word. Many of us have given our lives to Christ because a parent, a Sunday school teacher, a, a neighbor, a co-worker, a friend cared enough about us that they shared God's Word and something of eternal value. Acts chapter 8 is a great story. It's the story of Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch, the treasurer to the queen of Ethiopia. If you'll turn there, we're going to read a few verses, starting with verse 26. This is just a great evangelistic story of how God was used uh, by one man in the life of another. 
And we'll point out a couple things here in the Scripture. Starting in verse 26, Acts chapter 8. Now, an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Philip, by the way, was one of the seven deacons that had been appointed in the early church. And an angel of the Lord said, go south to the road, the desert road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out, and on his way, he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all the treasury of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship, and on his way home was sitting in his chariot reading the book of Isaiah, the prophet. The Spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. We'll not continue with the rest of the story, but he joins himself to that chariot and begins a conversation with this Ethiopian man on his way back home. Notice that an angel started this encounter, this whole episode. And then the Holy Spirit also did some directing. But Philip was the actual voice of God in sharing what he knew about the good news of the life of Jesus. It ended with this man being baptized and becoming a Christian before the journey was completed. Could God not have spoken through the angel to him? We have instances in the Bible, certainly. Could the Holy Spirit not have directed this man without somebody else? But God used a man to speak to a man. That's what he does today. He uses us to speak to each other. That homeless man that Natalie Cole spoke to. They never saw each other again. But maybe one day up there, they'll see each other. You know, I was involved years ago in a story kind of like this. It wasn't nearly as dramatic and actually was a bit corny, but it had a great ending. Years ago, I was sitting at a traffic light on Jank Road right there by Chippenham Hospital. I was headed to the post office, sitting at a red light when a car behind me honked its horn. Well, I looked in my rear view mirror and the guy in the driver's seat was pointing to my bumper. Now, I had a bumper sticker on my car that said, honk if you love Jesus. (laughs) Yeah, I know that's corny today, but I had one back in the 70s. Well, I threw my hand out the window and waved at him and he waved back. I pulled on into the post office parking lot, got out, walked inside, and was in line to do do business, and I hear this voice behind me say, do you really believe what your bumper sticker said? Well, I turned around, and it was the guy who had honked at me, and we started up a conversation, and he said, let me ask you a question. Do you know a good Bible-believing church? I said, well, yes, I do, and I described the church to him, and as we talked on there in line, the line's moving forward, fortunately it was a long line, he said to me, 
do they baptize people at that church? And I said, oh, absolutely they do. Well, he said, I'm on my lunch break. I made an appointment with him for 6 o'clock that night just before Bible study and prayer meeting at church. And I finally did tell him that I was the preacher there. (laughs) I don't want to drive him off at the beginning by saying, oh, no, look what I've dropped into here. Well, he met me at 6 o'clock. And we spent an hour talking and looking at the Scriptures. And at 7 o'clock, when everybody arrived, we had a baptism. A hokey, corny bumper sticker that I would never put on my car today. Turn to 1 Peter Chapter 3, verse 15. Here's the scripture that illustrates this. First Peter 3, 15. But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always... It says, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have, but do this with gentleness and respect. Don't forget that last part. Sometimes, anybody here ever been beaten over the head with a Bible? Maybe not literally, but sometimes we do that in our effort to be right Unfortunately, I've been guilty of that. A third way, how do we become obedient to God? By listening to His people. Trust godly friends and relatives who know you well. These are the ones who truly love you and want God's very best for you. Now, I know that bad things happen, not just to the evil and the ungodly, but to godly people also. We get sick. We even have terminal diseases. Our marriages fall to pieces. Divorces take place. Jobs fall through. Financial hard times happen. There's plenty of examples in life and abundantly in scriptures. Chester Christian Church is full of numerous examples of failures in many things. But that doesn't mean that we're a church of losers. It means we're a church of winners. Because we know who created the night and the day. We know the one who went through the darkest of times alone, forsaken by his father because of our sins. Listen to King David. We're going to look in Psalm 30 and Psalm 27, so you can be turning there. Listen to King David who knew something about doing things the wrong way, losing an infant, feeling the wrath of a father figure who wanted and tried to kill him several times. This is what King David said in Psalm 30, verses 4 and 5. Sing the praises of the Lord, you His faithful people. Praise His holy name. For His anger lasts only a moment, but His favor lasts a lifetime. Weeping may stay for the night, but rejoicing comes in the morning. 
And then back just a couple of Psalms to Psalm 27, verse 14. Where David says, wait for the Lord, be strong and take heart, and wait for the Lord. When we wonder, why is this happening to me? Can it get any worse? You know, I've paraphrased this verse from Psalm 30 many times. It's gotten me through many tough days by saying, if I can only get to midnight, because what happens? Another day starts. And lastly, how do we become obedient to God's voice? Why? By listening to ourselves. I put this last because this is probably the weakest of the four that we mention here. How can I say it any better? God is not a killjoy. He's not sitting on His throne just waiting for us to mess up so He can smack us. If you're happy doing something for Him, then God's happy. It's as simple as that. You know, I've been listening to a song on Christian radio that has intrigued me because it talks about one who's higher than I am, one who is the firm foundation that doesn't move, one who has walked the same path before I did, one who knows, one who cares, and who hasn't given up. In just a moment, we're going to ask the prayer team, those that are on it, to come up on either side. And we're going to ask you as you stand and listen. Well, I'm going to ask you just to sit here. But we're going to play this song, and I want you to listen to the words. You may be familiar with it. It's popular on the, on the Christian radio. It's entitled, Trust in You by Lauren Daigle. Any of you familiar with that song? A number of you are. Uh, I don't, I, I have to see words. I'm one who is a visual learner, but I heard parts of this song that just reached down into my heart and helped me. And so today, as we listen to those words, we're going to ask the uh, prayer team uh, to come up. I'll I, I tell you what, let's make a change here. I want you to listen to the song first, and then I believe Charlie and the team will come back up and we'll play a song. At that time, I want those on the prayer team uh, to come up on either side, and if you have a prayer need, if you have a decision in your heart, if you want to know more about this Christian life in this Christian way, if you want to know what you need to do to become a Christian, we want to be able to share that with you. So, if we could play that song.